Morning. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Proverbs, uh, where we're looking for our sermon, turning towards Proverbs. But this is the Reflect series where that uh, we've spent since Easter talking about reflecting and looking backwards and uh, positive ways to do that and ways that uh, God wants us to remember certain things he tells us to remember he to, uh, told uh, Joshua to make sure that the parents uh, reminded the kids often throughout the day about scripture and uh, uh, to remember the things that God had done for the children of Israel through the process we talked about during uh, Easter morning the whole new outlook that Jesus brings to the table for humanity how that we can have a whole new outlook in life and because he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Uh, the second week we talked about mirror, mirror on the wall, how that uh, King Solomon wrote down in uh, Proverbs 27, how that he was telling us that uh, he could see his reflection and how that we can look at a mirror and how we can break the culture that we grew up in, maybe thinking that uh, mirrors bring seven years of bad luck, but uh, I don't believe that with uh, any part of my being because it doesn't say it in Scripture, and the Scripture doesn't say it, then I'm not going to believe it. And we broke the mirror, and it brings no curse upon us because God has blessed us. Amen? If Scripture tells us we're blessed, it doesn't matter what uh, we grew up believing or thinking that we have to go back to Scripture. Last week we talked about uh, our past, present, and future, how to live and dwell in the moment, in the now that God wants us to uh, be in, to be able to uh, think about those things in the past, present, and future is a reality. There will be a future. Yesterday's gone. And, but the only place that we've got to live is today. Today's title of the message is, If it isn't broke, don't fix it. How many ever heard that? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I've got to add another question to it. What if it's broke? <laughs> fix it. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. Don't try to fix what's uh, not broken. But if something is broke, we should try to fix it. So uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, we're going to read our verse for this series. Uh, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Verse 18, Whosoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. Verse 19, As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Verse 20, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this scripture. Lord, we thank you for this Reflect series. God, we just pray today that you'd open our hearts, open our minds, uh, allow us just to receive what your word is saying to us today. God, that you would speak to us about broken things. And Lord, the things that's not broken, help us to see your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. So as King Solomon's writing this down, he's telling us... Uh, Whosoever keeps the fig tree, verse 18, whosoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. Then it says, he who waits on his master will be honored. So keeping a fig tree is something that you have to tend to, that a fig tree needs pruned, that it needs some things taken away from time to time. Uh, the same way if you've got an orchard or an apple tree or a pear tree or anything else at your house, that you have to tend to it, you have to care for it, you have to uh, take charge of it, and sometimes some things need pruning. Amen? 
Some things need to cut away for the health and the life of the tree to go forward. So in the same way that I believe that God is wanting us to see today, that there are some things we need to cut off. Amen? That we need to take away from our life that he would give us insight to. So the main point of the sermon today, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And some things are not broken. Some limbs are good limbs, and you don't need to cut those off because they're producing fruit. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But if you have a limb that's only leaves that never bears any fruit, that might be a good one to purge because that one is only taking up sap, and it's not creating anything. So in the kingdom, Jesus oftentimes talked about a fig tree. He talked about uh, pruning. He talked about uh, uh, people taking care of an orchard. But Solomon's writing this down, and he's telling us to take care of our life. So as I look back and think about this message today, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. I had to go back to um, Exodus chapter um, 34 is where I want to look this morning to get to a point of what God wants us to see for today. And in Exodus uh, chapter 34, it's in the Old Testament, way, way back in the back, toward the beginning of your Bible. Um, Exodus chapter 34. Starting verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write these Write on these tablets the words which were written on the first tablets which you broke. Broken things in our life and in humanity. So in putting this in perspective, I want us to see the history of what's going on in this verse that God is telling to Moses or is talking to Moses. He's speaking to Moses. And God speaks to us today. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his spirit, and he speaks to us through the church, that he allows the church to be a place where we can come and hear what God is saying to the church. The Bible says uh, that we need to appear, we need to come together and help each other out, to lift each other up. So Moses is here, and he's hearing from God. We need to be able to hear from God. Amen? Yeah. So in this Reflect series, I want us to see that listening to God, focusing in, that our life is so scattered, is so scrambled today in today's culture that it's so fast-paced, it's hard to be focused. Amen? It's hard to pay attention. So God wants us to see today, if we're going to hear him, sometimes we have to focus, sometimes we have to pay attention. And Moses is here, and I want us to see the historical context of this, that Moses is being told by God and spoken to by God about this thing, about these broken tablets. So I want us to go back and think about what Moses had done to get to this point. So just a few chapters before this, I think it's in 32, that Moses had went up on the mountain. He had went up on the mountain to speak to God, to hear from God, because God told him to. And Moses went up on the mountain. He fasted for 40 days. No food, no water for 40 days. Try that. We can't fast for 21 eating vegetables. It's hard, right? Fasting is hard. Moses had got up on that side of that mountain, listened to God, heard God speak, and as he was up there, he was worshiping. He, he would bow down and he would worship God. He would hear God speak and all these things is happening. There's thunder and there's lightning and the children of Israel were afraid of what was going on on the mountain. But as, there, as Moses is up there worshiping, I, I begin to think about how that uh, we need to worship today. Amen. If Moses worshiped, if he heard God by acting and participating in worship, how much more should we be in worship today? And I was thinking about, you know, my life and how that, 
I grew up in church and had never been around a church that had praise and worship style music. And, and uh, once I got in church and got saved and baptized and attended youth group and they had loud guitars and loud music and stuff. And, and I learned how to worship there at the youth group up in Raceland at that church. But uh, later on, I'd, I'd, uh, when I'd left Raceland Church to go be associate pastor, uh, down at Orangeburg, there was this young guy who got saved at the church, and he was just on fire for God. He was a, a true worshiper. I mean, he he loved to worship. He loved to. He played drums, but he played way too loud because he worshipped like he was in the moment every time, every song. I mean, he would just beat the fire out of drums. Uh, some drummers are too slow or too low, and some are too loud. It seems like it's hard to get a perfect drummer. I believe we've got a perfect drummer in Dusty. Amen. He knows when to come up and come down. Leslie always brags on Dusty's drum ability. Uh, Les, uh, Dusty's really good on guitar. He's good on any instrument. He can play bass or anything. Uh, Dusty's super talented in whatever he does, really. Uh, but God has blessed him with that. But as Moses up here is worshiping on this mountain, I begin to think about my uh, style in worship. I'm more of a, a kind of just a sway kind of worshiper. So if you ever see me up here on the front, I'm up here, you know, Leslie's playing and, and they're all up here playing. We got a really good worship team and, and we're up here, you know, and I'll sway a little bit. And sometimes whenever I feel the presence of God, I'll lift my hands maybe, or sometimes I'll hold my hands out like this. And there's videos about that. Leslie shows that one video sometimes before church and the the guy running on the screen and uh, Abraham and doing all these different things that he does, showing you how to worship. So as, as I'm, I'm more of a swear and sometimes I'll look my hand, sometimes I'll do that. But uh, last week I was up here on the front row and I was standing here and I was just, the praise and worship was going on. And so I'm just here and I'm, I've got my, my natural, just a little sway going and I'm just reflecting on my worship experience. So just bear with me. I'm here just, you know, and then next thing you know, Cadence walks up and she stands on the chair beside of me, and she looks up at me, like, hold me. And we don't have kids, so I don't know this hold me thing very well. So Cadence gets up there, and I pick her up. Next thing you know, she's petting my beard. And I'm thinking, hey, this is pretty cool. I got a kid here, you know. She apparently cares about me or something, and she's petting my beard like she's all pastor being or something. And she's petting my beard. So as I was standing there, I begin to think, and, and sometimes I sing. I can't sing. I don't have a good singing voice. I'm not like... Uh, Elf, you know, sing for loud for brings cheer and all that. I'm not good at that. So I, sometimes I sing, though, when Leslie's playing. So I, I just begin to sing because I begin to worship. And Cadence was there, and I, I began to watch her as I was singing. She was paying attention to my mouth and every word I was saying. And she's probably thinking, what's he doing? Is he dying or what's going on here? She didn't, probably didn't know, but I, I would sing anyway, whether I wanted to or not, right? So I'm singing, and, but I begin to think about and I was pondering in that moment, I might be influencing a little girl to think it's okay to sing even if you can't. Amen? Amen. That I'm paying it forward. That I remember my grandpa singing in church when I grew up and thinking back about worship and how the, my grandpa would stand up and testify sometimes and even cry and just, he loved God. But he was an influence on my life. And I want to be that type of influence on other kids of the next generation. And sometimes even though we don't feel like worshiping, or maybe that's not my style. Do it for the kids. Amen. 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 Do it for the kids. Train them. Teach them and train them in the things of God. So I, I began to sing and I thought about that. And I looked at Cadence and it was kind of a special moment for me. So thank you for allowing your kid to come up and let Pastor Ben hold her so that I could stand there and sing. And it was a moment for me. 
Now, but I was worshiping God. I wasn't doing it to pretend. I was really worshiping God in the songs that I was singing last week. But I began to think about, you know, that there's other times in my life that when I first got saved and, and I was thinking about uh, reflecting back or looking back on my worship experiences as an individual. And one time, uh, this young guy got saved down at Orangeburg Church and he was wild, he was ruthless, he was a beating the drum kind of guy. And, and he got saved and he's like, Come on, man, you're an associate pastor. You, we, we need to go down. we got to go to Kmart. we got to save everybody on the whole parking lot. And he was literally a wild man. I mean, literally a wild man. And, well, I would go down there with him. If he's brave enough to go, I'll go back him up, right? I'm kind of quiet and uh, backwards when I'm in a crowd. And, and anyway, we'd go down there, and I'd park, and I'd walk around with him. And he'd do all the talking. And, man, I think a lot of people got saved just so he'd leave him alone. They'd say, like, I'll, I'll pray with you, man. Just go on. Leave me alone. But he, he was ruthless, man. But he worshiped the same way. He was passionate about God. And he got interested. He's like, you know what? I feel called to preach, but I think I want to go to Bible college because his older sister went to Bible college at this point and up at uh, Rob Harsley's church up in World Harvest. It's in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And he's like, won't you go with me? They're having a, a career, uh, a college uh, open day, open enrollment day where you can come and experience what college life is like at this Bible college. And he's like, won't you go with me? So I took, took time off and we went up there and, and he, his little cousin was there with him at the time and uh, living at his house and uh, we take off and go to Columbus so we're all up there and next thing you know we're in this uh, uh, chapel service of, of the college and it's awesome man they've got music rocking they've got different kids the, the kids in a preaching class are preaching and I, I mean you can feel the presence of God it's a powerful experience there's thousands of kids there at this college and we're in chapel and they're worshiping and all this and, and after the first message it's, it's fired me up I was starting to get excited you know I was getting passionate it was contagious so I stand there in my pew, and Scott, he's just a wild man. He's all over the place. And, and as I stand there, I have my normal worship sway going, you know. I lift my hands when it felt good, and, and singing, and doing what I knew to do. And the next thing you know, it's like I was getting overwhelmed that, that it, was, it was more than just worth the sway, that God was bigger than that to me. So I, I took a little step, you know, and then I was going to do, I was going to take a little step back this way. And I'm not a dancer. I mean, literally, in my bar hopping days, it was a, the more I drank, the better I danced, I thought. But if somebody would have videoed, I, I thank God there wasn't cell phones back then because it would have been bad, embarrassing to see all that. Because the more I drank, the better I thought I could dance. But I know I can't dance. I can't dance. I have no rhythm. It's scary because it's wonderless that that's been play based because I don't know what note to hit other than what's on the paper. I just do whatever's on the paper. That's the best I can do. Sometimes I hit it at the wrong time, but, hey, I'm trying. So... But anyway, I start swaying, and, and I'm taking a step. Next thing you know, I'm starting to feel this. You know, it's, it's like empowering. It's like, man, I'm really, I, I can sense God, and it's like bigger than me. And, and I begin to step back and forth. The next thing you know, the Bible says that David danced before the Lord. Man. There is dancing in Scripture. And some churches believe that you cannot dance. They won't let you, even in a wedding, they won't let a wedding people come and dance because of some belief about dancing, some ungodly thing. But what if dancing, what if everything God created was something he made that was to be worshipped towards him? So I begin to dance with these couple extra steps, and Ryan's looking at me like, man, Ben's got rhythm right now. So I'm back and forth. The next thing you know, I had got so carried up, caught up. I don't know if I was raptured in the spirit. I don't know what happened, but I'm telling you, I was dancing from one end of the aisle to the other. Everybody got completely out of the whole pew, the whole row. 
I was taking up the entire row, dancing back and forth, and I danced so hard that my side hurt. Have you ever ran so fast or so far that your side hurts? I don't know what this is right here, but it's it's like it'll bend you over and you can't even move. I danced so hard and so long. I was bent over in that pew, and it's like I'd get another win and I'd take off my dance again. It was like, what? The, who is this? But I was true worship, and I loved it. It's the, the it was a euphoric feeling that just crazy. And I think about that, and I reflect on that, and I, I, I thank God for that experience. Because they will experience that. But in a moment, this happens, this worship-type experience. Moses is up on the mountain. He's experiencing this worship. Extravagant worship. Have you ever done that? If you haven't, and you don't want to do it in front of people here at church, go home. Send your kids to school. Tell your husband to go out and work on a car and to get in a room and turn on worship music and just dance. Dance before God. It's a freeing thing, I'm telling you. Moses is up on his mountain. He's experiencing this level of worship. I'm talking about the glory of God is there. And the Bible talks about clouds being there, the thunder and lightning, and the voice of God is rolling through that mountain. It's true and pure worship. But he's up on his hill, and God tells him, okay, here, Moses, now that you're there, now that you're worshiping, now that you got this whole children of Israel, you've led them out of Egypt, and here you are, they're down on the mountain down there. I told you to come here, I'm going to speak to you. So God, it says in chapter 32, that God creates, he molds this uh, rock out of the hill, and he writes the Ten Commandments on it. God does it. How awesome would that be? To be the first person ever to see the Ten Commandments of God. See, today we've got them everywhere. They're in people's yards. They're down on the courthouse. And we get tore up when they take them down and all that, right? The Ten Commandments, we know what they are. So it's amazing. Moses was the first guy to ever see this. Imagine that. That responsibility. Here, Moses, you're worshiping. Here's the Ten Commandments. Take them and show them to my people. So Moses is like, Man, I can't wait to get back down off the hill. It's been 40 days. I ain't ate. I'm ready to go eat. Right? So he travels down off the hill, this big mountainside of Mount Sinai. He's going down off the hill. He gets down to the bottom, and he hears all this rejoicing and all this carrying on. He's like, what kind of party is going on down here? So the closer he gets, he's like, man, maybe they're just excited about God. So he gets down to the bottom of the hill, and the closer he gets, the next thing you know, when he gets up real close, he sees Aaron there, and he sees this big golden calf that they had created, that they were worshiping. Just in 40 days of Moses being gone, they had reverted back from worshiping God all the way to making an idol and worshiping a golden instrument, a golden <coughs> calf. How sad, right? So Moses is there and he gets mad. Moses says in his anger, he's mad. And Moses gets so mad, he breaks the Ten Commandments. If God gave you a gift that he cut out of a hillside and with his own finger inscribed the Ten Commandments on him, you shouldn't break that. Amen? Moses in his anger breaks that. Your anger will cause you to do things that you normally won't do. Somebody say amen. That's me. Oh, me. We all have anger issues. How many's got anger issues? I just want a true statement here. We'll see how many. Amen. He's going to raise her hand. Really? <laughs> really? We all got anger issues, right? Uh oh. Uh oh, there's one in the back right there somewhere too. I ain't gonna one, but there's somebody back there. So there's these anger issues, right? Moses breaks the Ten Commandments. It's bad just to break one. Yes. 
Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, you know, honor thy father, mother, do all, all these Ten Commandments. But he breaks the whole plate in everything, the first ones. How crazy, right? But he done it out of anger because other people wasn't doing what he was doing. How often in our life does anger show up not because of our misdeeds, but because of others? Don't let them live in here for free. It's the cheapest real estate on the planet. People live in your brain for free, and you allow them to. A victim, right? You can't live inside of my head anymore. I'm not going to let you cause me to have anger and have all this hurt and all this pain because you want to live there for free and cause me pain. Moses had that happen. He was so mad he broke the first Ten Commandments. Crazy. So I was thinking, you know, about my worship experience. I was up there and I was bouncing back and forth in a pew and back and forth and dancing and all this. And, and I looked over and that little young boy that was from the, his cousin from down south, he was worshiping and, and crying and snot flying. I mean, it was a, a, an awesome experience. And Scott was just running everywhere. He's the passionate guy, loves God, loves people. And, and next thing you know, we, the day's over, the chapel service is over, and we're just on a high, a spiritual high in a moment. I mean, it was like, wow. And going back, and, and we're there for two days at this event, and, and we go, and we, we go to the motel room, we check in and get checked in and everything, and go up, and, and we're up there, and we talk, and man, what's God going to do in your life, and what God's going to do in my life, and just everything's about God. And we go to sleep. So as we're sleeping, I, I'm one of those sound sleepers. I, I can go to sleep, and I, I mean, like a train could run over top of me, and I'm not going to wake up. I Somehow I wake up in the morning with an alarm clock, but I don't know how. Because the rest of the night, Leslie hears everything. It's it's everything that moves. I don't care if it's a, a leaf falls off of the tree four miles away from the window. Something moved. You know, she can hear everything. She's like the cat. I'm not like that. I don't wake up. She wakes up ten times a night. I can't do that. So anyway, we're laying there sleeping. And Scott must be like Leslie a little bit. And, and he can hear anything. So as we're laying there sleeping and 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 and. and the other guy's there, and we're all just in, in the middle of the night, and Scott wakes up, and he looks over, and his little cousin, a teenage cousin, is over there watching porn on a laptop. It breaks Scott. He loves God. He's passionate. He wants to go to Bible college. He wants to love people. He wants to see people saved. And he gets so distraught and so angry at his little cousin. Because he's broken. Not everybody's going to worship God. Some people are going to worship God and be addicted to their past and they can't get rid of it. And Scott got so angry. And I remember the whole rest of the trip, we went from this euphoric worship blessing God to this, wow, how can you be in this type of environment and still be that broken that you're doing that? whole lot like Moses. Man, I've had 40 days of worship, but I come down off the hill and everybody else is running around hooping and hollering about a golden cow. And he breaks them. The Ten Commandments. There is a holy anger. There's a righteous anger. And there's something inside of us whenever people sin that it causes us hurt that we think, man, how can you mess up like that? But if we would just take a step back and really look back at our life, 
We ain't been all that in a bag of chips either. Amen. I remember being a little boy, and the first time I was ever introduced to any kind of pornographic material was down at Garrison. We was a bunch of Garrison hoodlum thugs on bicycles and running around on their bicycles. And he had all these dirty magazines, and he hid them in the train cars over there, right close to you. Remember where the old depot was? And all the train cars sitting there. He had them down inside of there. And we would go over there and get down inside them old train cars and just sit there and look at dirty magazines. I was in like third grade. It's too early for that. Look at Rachel back there. It's like, my boy not doing that. <laughs> Don't send him to Garrison because they're hoodlums, man, I tell you. But it's addictive. And to think of the access today that these kids down that room down there, if they've got a little phone, if they've got Wi-Fi, yeah. it's easily yes, accessible, it right? Yes, it is. And as I look at that, I look at them and I feel sorry for them. Amen? When I want, whenever they come to church, I don't want them to be in a place where the church is looking at them and looking down upon them and, and, and creating doubt and, and having a, a anger against them because they're dealing with issues in this life. Where them teenagers come here and they're having all these things going on in their life, I'm not going to look down on them and browbeat them. You know why? Because I'm broken too. Amen? Amen? We can get mad and break our Ten Commandments that God has given us over somebody else's issues. But God's asking <coughs> us today to take a step back, Moses. So what I love about this verse and Scott ended up telling his little cousin, he come home and he told his mom, he was like, man, he was watching porn, mom. We was having the best church services ever. And they say, no, he's watching porn in the middle of the night. And they ship that boy out. He goes back down to Beattyville. I've not seen him since. And I think back upon that. In a worship moment, yeah, we're worshiping God. Why do we let people hurt us? Why not bring them into the fold and say, God can do create change in your life? What about that young man? I don't know where he's at today, but we need to pray for him. Amen? As Christians, we need to pray for people just like that, that are broken, that society is letting them down. That little boy had a bad life. He told stuff that happened to him. Because he's addicted to porn, he's not welcome to church. Not the church I want to be. Amen? People are broken. Don't let their brokenness cause you to get so mad that you mess stuff up. Moses broke those Ten Commandments. So let's go back to chapter 34. And the Lord said to Moses, even after Moses broke the Ten Commandments, God's still speaking to him. Even after you've been mad, even after you've had a holy indignation that you've been mad at somebody in the church, you've been mad at somebody, your neighbor did this, they cut over on your grass by two inches, and, and you know, or they built a fence and it was one block off or what. You know, people get so tore up about little minuscule things in this life that means nothing in eternity. Amen? That's me. Get tore up about little things. But God is still speaking to Moses, even though he broke the Ten Commandments in their entirety. Lord said to Moses, will not you look at your neighbor and say, God will still speak to you. I love this. Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it's broke, you got to fix it. 
Amen? So God tells Moses, last time I cut those stones out of the cliff, this time you're going to. If you broke it, you fix it. It's what God's saying. Amen? We've got to take some ownership, some accountability for what we've done wrong, right? So God's telling Moses, little man, go over there and cut out some stones. And this ain't a day and time where they didn't have CNC machines and they didn't have big fancy tools. And it's pretty primitive during Moses' time here. And I can imagine the hard work that he had to put in to go over there and hew out these two stones that God had done last time. Sometimes God does stuff in your life, you break it, then he's going to tell you, fix it. Amen. So God's telling us today, fix it. Cut two tablets like the first ones. Just like them. you got to do what God did. That's a pretty good task, right? Man, it's a measure to meet up. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. God said, you hew them out, I'm still going to do the writing. I'm still going to give the words. I'm still going to be the one that blesses. You can cut out the stone, but you can't write the words of God. Amen? So God's telling us today, we're going to break the stuff that's broken in our life or the, the people we look at that let it bring anger upon us. He's telling us today, let it go. Let it go. Fix it. Amen. Sure. I don't know if God had a smaller size crowd today for Bethesda because a lot of people can't handle these kind of messages. Amen? I think he's weaned us down to the size of who needs to be here to hear this message today or who's going to listen to it on the internet later, which is a few here or there. He's calling you out. He's calling us angry folk out. Amen. So he's telling us today, if it's broke, fix it. I believe that he's speaking to us today. As I think about anger and issues of life, just let me let me read this verse. I got, I got to read this one verse. Mom's texting me a bunch of scriptures while we're here. She's going up to decorate my grandpa's grave today, and she must be riding with Mary because she's texting. Sorry. Um, I want to read this verse. Just two verses. Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-six. I love these two first two words of this scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. The first two words are amazing. I love them. Because this is the Apostle Paul. He had an anger issue too. There's a lot of people in the Bible that God used that had anger issues. And here, Paul is writing this down, and he, he's, he's pinning these words for God because God's telling him what to write down. And he writes these first two words. I love them. Because it gives me encouragement that there's other people like me. And God used them even to write the Bible. First two words, 26. Be angry. Whew, there's my pass. It's my free pass. God says it's okay to be angry. How he's happy about that? God is saying you're in your humanity and you're going to get mad. Yes. Amen. I, I get mad. If you don't believe me, ask Leslie. She calls me a jerk just now. In church. Heaven help us. But here Paul is saying, be angry. I'm good at that. Man, I found my verse now. This is a scripture for being. Be angry. Amy's sitting there like, oh, man, I'm coming to church today. Be angry. Oh, I love it, don't you? Be angry. 
I'm good at that. I can do it. I found something I can do. One says Jesus wept. I can do that one too. Be angry. Paul writing there. But then he goes on to say more. Never stops right there, right? Be angry, but do not sin. So you can be angry to a certain point, and it don't become sin yet. That's what this tells us. Be angry, do not sin. Then it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. This is one I'm really, I'm not very good at this. I felt this one quite often. Couples in this room, you know what it's like to have one of those heated uh, discussions. Right? There's a heated discussion. You, you don't agree, and, and you speak, and, 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 and the longer the discussion goes on, the, the louder you get, and, the, and, and, the, and the, your, your blood pressure goes up, and it's, yeah. it's louder, and then they're talking louder back, and then you've got to be louder to try to get them. And, and neither side's listening, really, at that point, right? It's just like a screaming match for the fun of it or something. And Ryan don't do that or something. He's sitting there smiling like he don't do that. So there's this heated discussion, right? It's called an argument. Kind of sounds like angry, don't it? So you're arguing back and forth. But this scripture is the one, Leslie, she loves this verse because she always reminds me of it. Because I'm kind of the one, whenever I get mad, I just bull up. I'll just, I'll just go in a room, you just stay somewhere else. I don't want to be around you, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to talk this out, I don't I just want to be somewhere else, right? I just, like, excuse me, I want to be over here, you just stay there. I don't want to, I want to talk about this, I don't want to argue about this, I don't like arguing. But arguing has to be done. There's going to be any kind of agreement. You have to eventually talk about it, right? So that's always brings up this verse. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So that means every night before you go to bed, it's got to be okay. This is marriage advice. Amen. Here's your marriage advice from Scripture. Don't get mad and go to bed. Talk it out. Work it out. Beforehand. Right? So you got to go to bed happy. Yes. Man, that's hard. Amen. Don't let the sun go down on your ass. So Leslie always reminds me of that. And oftentimes I still feel like that. I'll get mad and sleep on the couch. I'll sleep in a recliner. I'll, I'll, whatever, it don't matter. I don't want to talk about it, right? But this verse is true for me. Just as much as it is for anybody else. And how can I preach about this verse? True. Amen? Amen. God's telling Pastor Ben today. It's easy to get mad and let anger be because of what everybody else does. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. So if you've got anger issues against somebody that's done you wrong, or just everything that's been wrong in your past, in your history, in your life, let it go. Amen. If it's broke, fix it. Amen? Amen? Fix it. Because you can. God can gift you the ability to fix what's broken in your life. He's the God of grace, of mercy. He's a peacemaker. Thank you, Lord. That's what he's asking us to do today. Amen. And then verse 27 says, And do not give the devil an opportunity. That's it. If you let hurt all through your life lead up and continue to build up and build up and build up and you never have a relief point where that you let some stuff go, that you prune, that you cut back the tree, there's a point where it'll, it'll expel. It'll come out. For me, I was a young guy, 20 years old, working, bought a, you know, probably my third or fourth car at this point. 
Driving down the road one day, I was dating this girl. She yapped. And all that anger and frustration of what everybody had done to me in my life pivoted on that moment. And I told her, just shut up. Just shut up. I want to go home. I'm going to take you home. It's not a problem. I'm going to drop you off, and I probably won't see you for several days, but I, I just want to excuse myself. Kept going, kept going, kept going. Next thing you know, before I even knew what happened, my fist through the windshield completely shattered the windshield. In an instant, ah! she was screaming, hollering, crying. I took her home. But now, my anger, my frustration, all the stuff that I'd harbored back that I wasn't allowed to talk about or let, I wouldn't let the sun go down on my wrath, I did let the sun go down on my wrath. Now it'll all come out in a moment. Now I'm in this little car that I'm driving around, my little Geo Metro four-door gas saver, 52-mile gallon. It was awesome that I loved. I had to drive it around with a broken windshield. I had to lie to mom. I don't even remember what I said. A lot of reasons to come up with. Make them up all day long. But here I had to drive around with this windshield that I was looking through every day, completely shattered, because my anger. And I was thinking about that for this message. How many of us symbolically drive through life with our anger shattering our future? Causing us not to be able to see clearly. If it's broke, fix it. So you can drive around with that windshield forever that way. Or you can call the windshield guys, whatever their name is. If you got a broken windshield, Jason hook you up. He can get the guy down here to change it. Take about an hour and a half and put a couple pieces of blue tape on it, and you're all good with a brand new windshield. Real quick. What if that's a picture for us to see today? That God is telling us, a lot of us in this room are driving around with broken windshields and God just saying, fix it. And he's the guy that can. God is the one that can fix your brokenness that's creating you Amen. an obstacle Amen. that you can't see through for your future. Yes. Won't you stand? Be angry. Do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil an opportunity that he doesn't deserve. Moses recreates these tablets. He hews them out of the rock. He goes back up in the mountain again and God's finger comes down and actually literally inscribes these rocks. And the second Ten Commandments is created. And here we are 4,000 years later And those words still exist. God's eternal words are important to our life. But not only ours, but also to our kids. Amen. Amen? To our grandkids, to our nieces, to our nephews. Be an influencer for that next generation that God's calling you to be. But don't drive around with a broken windshield. Fix it.
because it's too important for the next generation not to have to live through the pain that I've lived through. Amen? You're important to God. And He's created you with a destiny to be a world changer. And whenever a fishing tournament's going to happen in a few weeks, them teenagers are raising money to go away for a few days just to get away from normal part of life and have an experience with God with Dusty and Abby and all the ones that volunteer their time to go with them. Be an influencer in that moment. And I'm not telling you that, it's, that you're going to be perfect. I'm just telling you that some people in this room has a broken windshield today. And God's saying, fix it. Fix it. Call the repairman. Say, fix it. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes if you will. I want us to pray that very simple prayer that we pray each week. And everybody in this room just say the words, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? About everybody in this room raised their hands a while ago and said, I've got an anger issue. But we see that God says that we can be angry, but we don't have to allow it to turn into sin. And God's asking us today to let go of some things. It may be somebody that hurt you. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a, a, a former colleague. Maybe somebody in your past. And today as we're talking about this Reflect series, God's trying to bring us to a point. Let all that go. Let it go. Seek me while I may be found. That's what God is saying in this room today. head bowed, every eye closed. I want to see a raise of hands. I'm going to say, Pastor Ben, I deal with anger. And I sense today that God's telling me that I need to let it go. And I need to fix some of this brokenness. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? I'm ready to let my anger go. And I want God to heal me today of this hurt that I'm causing others. Anybody else? I want everybody in this room to pray this with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sin, for my anger, for my faults, for my failures. Help me to be the person that you created me to be. <coughs> Fix my windshield. Let me see clearly into the future. Help me to be a blessing to those below me, to the kids to the teenagers, to all those that are surrounding me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.